Jesus addresses his disciples and says, and starting in verse 35, stay, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. And if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. As this year comes to a close, regardless of whether you call 2017 good, bad, or ugly, this year takes its final breath with hope and a calling that we hear today in God's Word. At the beginning of Isaiah 61, the prophet will say, and Jesus will read just a few chapters before in Luke 4, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord had anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. After reading this, as it was recorded in Luke 4, Jesus told his hearers that the passage had been fulfilled in their hearing. The bad news is that life is packed with affliction. And there are those who mourn. The good news for all the brokenhearted is that that is not the end of the story. As one writer put it in thinking about this text, that the flavor of Christianity is joy. Which is good because, he writes, life is hard. Sometimes life just stinks. And so, in between these promises, the promise that came at the manger and went to the cross, and the promise that Christ will come again, this promise that He comes again is mentioned some 318 times in the New Testament. And in between these promises, this delay in His coming from the first to the second, like that famous sign in the UK, we are invited to mind the gap. In between Christ's return, we're called to remember that Christ is indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And that in that coming, we have a new identity. But life is hard, 
And how do we live into this new identity in this time of in-between? In 2017, for example, for me and my family, it was full of both amazing blessing and incredible heartache. There were big moments of joy, you know, like when the Star Wars movie came out a few weeks ago. (laughs) Or when my wife and I celebrated our 20th anniversary. (laughs) Not equal, by the way, between those two. But great moments of joy. And there are also moments of hardship, like when I got in my car to come to the office and got the call along the way that my dad had passed away on his boat in the marina at Point Defiance. Moments of blessing, moments of sorrow. And yet in the midst of that, in this time in between, God is with us. We're called to mind the gap. Even the daily stuff, the daily joys, the daily grind. To mind the promise that God has for us. Luther talked about this like living in two kingdoms. The kingdom on the right, God's kingdom. And the kingdom on the left, the kingdom of the world. And he reminded us that we live in both at the same time. C.S. Lewis, thinking about this, is one of the great authors and Christian theologians of the 20th century, someone from whom even Pastor Bruce mentioned in his sermon on Christmas Eve. Lewis was already well on his way to being famous as an Oxford professor. When at the age of 32, he came to know the Lord and came to Christ. And in coming to Christ as this critical thinker that he was, he was convinced, looking at Jesus, that the words of Jesus, the promise of what he came to bring, was hope and assurance and even historical and true and life-changing. And Lewis was no rose-colored idealist. He lived through the bombing of London by Germany. He lived through the death of his beloved joy. And yet, in the midst of this, he remained faithful in this gap. Lewis would write that the question is not whether we should bring God into our work. We certainly should and must, he says. But really whether or not we would profess him as our explicit service to him in all that we do. A life reimagined. Hardship and joy in this world understood as temporary until the complete joy comes, the flavor of joy comes in Christ's fullness. And so, living in between the promises of Christ, Jesus teaches us about this in between time, this delay time. He teaches that to his disciples here in Luke chapter 12. How to get ready for this kingdom party while we live in between. How are we ready in between? And like any good invitation, Jesus gives us the who, the what, the when, and the where. As we hear both in the Old and 
and in the New Testament epistle today, and even in Jesus' words, we find out that the who is Christ himself. And so to be ready, we need to remember that Christ has come at just the right time to redeem the world. At just the right time, he gave us the right to be children of God, as the Gospel of John will say. And to use the words of the Gospel here, where the perfect participle and the I am or the you, the Jaime, gives us this sense of a person who doesn't have to be told to be alert. They've always, the words here, girded their loins, but for us to pull up your bootstraps, they're always ready to go. A sense of readiness at remembering who we are. And so the who are these robes of righteousness given to us by Christ. An identity, not one for ourselves, but given to us. And in that remembering, and in that calling, we are made ready. In a podcast on the intersection of sports and faith, Tony Dungy, the famous Indianapolis head coach and Super Bowl winner, said when he was being interviewed for the job that he wanted to know, them to know just who he was so they were aware of what he would bring. That he was not a coach who happened to be a Christian, but in fact he was a Christian who happened to be a coach. And that who includes the brokenhearted, the sinner, the successful story, the failure, the good years, the bad years. It's not the circumstance of the world, but the circumstance of Christ's intervention into the world, first in creation and then in redeeming, that gives us our identity. Our identity is found in those beautiful words of Genesis, in the image of God, He created them. It's not in what we do, not even what... We imagine about ourselves or who we think we are or how we define who we are. But in who he says we are because his word does everything. And so those personal pronouns again in 35 and 36 give us an attitude of an alert Christian who's thinking of who we are for the sake of the other. Instead of just being concerned as the pagans did at the time of Luke and probably for us yet still today about this present world. We have a perspective living in this gap. And that leads us to what we're called to do. From the who to the what. And these robes of righteousness that we have been given We've been given to then tie them up, harking back to the Passover when the Israelites were told to be ready to move, to be ready for action. I think of my brother-in-law, who is a firefighter, who tells me they always, even in the middle of the night, have their gear ready to slip on, ready to move at a moment's notice. I'm so grateful for those who in their 
office in this world already, firefighters or ready in all kinds of ways, teachers who are prepared for their class or doctors and pharmacies open even on New Year's Eve, paramedics who answer the call for my dad and pastors who would go to be with the family as they waited the news about what was going on with him. Those who are ready in their office, for Christ's sake, bless others. When we live out our identity in Christ, it becomes a beautiful gift to the world. And like C.S. Lewis, who reimagined his calling in light of Christ, and his writing took a different shape, even though he still picked up the pen. We don't do it so that God will approve of us. For God has done the work of salvation for us. We do it in a life reimagined as a response to this beautiful gift already given. And when do we do that? Well, Christ did it at just the right time, as you heard in Galatians today. At just the right time when the world was set in motion and the Pax Romana was there and the Roman roads were there to let the gospel go forth. Well, the right time for you and for me is now. For we won't know the exact time that Christ will come back. Is it the second watch, 10 to midnight or 2 or 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., the third watch, depending on how you count the watches? We don't know when Christ will come back, but we do know that now is the time for us to continue this gospel conversation in word and deed. Not one or the other, but both. And where do we do that? The where becomes our life. As Luther will speak of vocation that we have in Christ, this calling that comes to us in our baptism, or Bonhoeffer will speak about the mandates for the Christian or responsibilities, contrasted that to a, a pagan view that sees the world and what I can get out of it or what my rights are. Our calling is, in the footsteps of Christ, how can we serve our neighbor and glorify our God? Not when everything is good and right and perfect, but in the midst of life, right where you're planted now. Tony Dungy, that Super Bowl winner I told you about, understood that because in the midst of all his success, there was also brokenness when his son succumbed to the hopelessness of depression. And Tony realized that he had to walk the talk even then in those dark days as a witness to Christ. For the church exists not for those who are here, but for those who are yet to be here. And so our mission says on the cover of our bulletin to lead people to Christ. And while we serve one another in Christ's name, we welcome all to this promise. Remember the beauty of the gospel is you don't have to prove yourself you are already crowned with the splendor of God's glory 
the diadem in his hand. And so, having been given this gift, then in our lives, whether you're a grandparent or a parent or an accountant or a plumber or a student or a baker, wherever you are planted, these are the holy places that God is calling you and me to bring this good news. I've come to believe in our daily and ordinary vocation, our ordinary lives, the daily mundane becomes a place that God does the extraordinary. God does mighty, holy things. This is where the kingdom on the right, God's kingdom, and the kingdom on the left, the kingdom of the world, come together in your vocation, in the place that you're planted. They intersect as we pray God's kingdom come. And as it comes to us, we become his feet and carry it to the world. Through you, Jesus leads others to Christ. Through you, the church exists for those who have not yet heard. In the midst of the hardships of life, here in this vocation, this daily life, we bear our cross. Where our lives are reimagined in light of Christ. That's how we live in this gap. Wearing the robes of righteousness from our baptismal identity. We live out this promise that Christ proclaimed that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him because the Lord has anointed him to bring good news to the poor and he has sent him to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn. All the candles are lit. Christ has come. And He will come again. And He's given us the who, what, when, and where. And since Christ has done this, we're invited under Him to reimagine our life. Knowing that our success and our failures and even our brokenness are all temporary in light of the splendor of the crown of Christ. For He says, You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You are precious royalty representing the King, an identity that you have in Him for eternity, one for you from a manger through a crown of thorns. Won't we bring the flavor of joy, of Christ's joy now, to the rest of the world today and into 2018? For his glory and our good. Amen.